Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. wanted it to be April Fool's Day, but it's just the first Monday in April. Yeah, I think it's what, the third? The third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the month of April is going to be all about growing our audience. Mm-hmm. And we've done a little bit of math, and if each <laughs> one of our current listeners recruits three more listeners, we will reach our goal so that we can keep this podcast going yeah, long term. You, you all, all, we love our listeners. You all have been great. You've been so encouraging. And a lot of you have written reviews. And we have a couple Patreon supporters. And that's great. But more than anything right now, we just need more listeners. More people to listen. Yes. So the magic number this month is three. If everybody who's currently listening reaches out to three more people, we will reach our goal. Yeah. So... In in honor of that, yes. today, if you go to our Instagram account, we are launching a sticker giveaway. Whoop, whoop. So what you have to do is uh, share that post to your Instagram story and tag three friends in the comments for that post. And it'll be running throughout the week, so if you happen to be listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, you're not too late. So we'll announce the winner on Friday, and you'll get some really cool You Might Hate This Book stickers. And hopefully some of the people you tag will become listeners. Yeah, and listen for the rest of the month of April, because that's to kick us off. But we also have a bigger giveaway that's going till the end of the month, and it is a book giveaway. We're giving away a book. Because why not? Yeah. Um, we actually haven't decided what book yet, but we will no. be giving away like a, a new book and... What you have to do to enter is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, so five-star rating, please, Um, (laughs) and a review. And if you will screenshot that review and send it to our email address, or if you have our phone numbers, you can text us. Um, (laughs) But our email address is hatethisbookpod at gmail.com. So if you can prove that you left us a review on Apple Podcasts, you will be entered to win a book. Yes, because that will also help us gain new listeners. Um, Yes. Perhaps some even outside of our friend base. (laughs) (laughs) One, hello, one person out there who's not our immediate best friend. (laughs) So that's what we'll be doing in April. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Stop by our Instagram account today. Like and share the post to your story. Tag three friends. Get some cool stickers. I have learned Instagram (laughs) for this. So check it out frequently this month. Stephanie has a lot of cool designs she's already worked up. Um, So we'll be putting a lot out there for you all this year. Hello. Hi, Rand. This is an exciting day for books. Is it? Yes. Um, so if you're listening to this, you've already heard our March bonus episode oh, yeah. on children's books. But today, the day we're recording this episode, is the day that Brad and Christy Montague's um, new book, 
launch the Fantastic Bureau of Inv- of Imagination. It's so hard not to say the regular thing. They did a cool play on words, and I, I keep wanting to say investigation. I keep of, saying federal. Uh, <laughs> the Federal Bureau of Imagination. But we took the kids to their book signing in town, and they were so excited to get the book. Um, so it was... Just go out and get their book. It's lovely and magical. Yeah, if you have the opportunity, get it from your local bookseller. Yes, like we did today. Yeah, so if you're in the Jackson Henderson area, you can get it from Light Trap Books. That's right. I have a very important question for you. <laughs> I'm dubious as to how important it is, but hit me. All of my questions are important. Every week. I'm sorry, you're right. Every week. You are right. Would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with someone you really dislike or trapped in a horror with your best friends? I am going to say trapped in a horror with my best friends. Okay. (laughs) Because here's the thing. When I am, like, serious about something, especially, like, my dislike of something, it irks me to no end when people, like, try to make a joke about it. I'm like, no, Uh, no, this is serious. So quippy romantic comedy-isms would not be for you. If I really don't like you, I'm like, no, this is not funny. And I just, like push against that even harder so yeah. i think i'd rather like be on a team and running from a big baddie okay all you have to do is not be the slowest right or the only girl or, <laughs> uh, i don't know what are the what are the horror tropes uh the black guy and the blonde girl usually die uh, first yeah. so i mean you're not either of those things nope so okay <laughs> maybe i'll be sick <laughs> take kyle and casey oh no Hopefully neither of these things will happen to me. Right. I mean, in this world, you've become trapped in a story. But I just thought that that was relevant to today's episode. It is. Not because we're doing a horror book. Yeah, we're doing romantic comedy. Yes. It's been a while since you've assigned me a romance. I was excited about this one because it got a lot of hype. Lots of people have talked about it. I've talked to you about it way before the podcast. So, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. You've yes. probably heard of it, even if you have not read it. If you, I walked into a Barnes & Noble around the holidays, and there was, like, an entire table of just this book. Yep, and it didn't even come out, like, all that recently. Like Really? I mean, like, in the last couple of years, but oh. y- usually, like, a bookstore is, like, this came out this month. Yeah, that's what my memory of it is, like, it was, like, a new release table. But yeah, it was not. I mean, I okay. think it came out in 2021. I guess I could have looked, but... Yeah, that's okay. Okay, um, I guess I'll summarize it. Yes, give us a summary. The Love Hypothesis follows the story of Olive Smith, a third-year PhD candidate who is totally uninterested in romantic relationships when the book starts. Um, when on Olive's friend wants to date Olive's ex, Olive insists that she's interested in someone else so that on won't feel guilty about doing the bad friend trope of dating your ex. This is already a, a <laughs> classic setup. Here we go. Yep. So Olive tells On she has a hot date, and then she goes to the lab and spends her evening in the lab instead of going on a date. Cool. When On makes a surprise stop at the lab and nearly catches Olive in her lie, Olive spontaneously kisses the nearest man, who happens to be Dr. Adam Carlson, a hotshot professor who's known for being grumpy and mean and set in his ways. Um, The kiss attack gives Adam an idea Uh, He's having trouble receiving funds from his superiors because they think that he's not tied to the area because he's never, like, settled down, has no girlfriend, no friends. He's a flight risk. Yeah, he's a flight risk. So he can't get funding and whatever. So he wants to show the folks who dole out money that he's here for the long haul, at least until the money is in his pocket and then whatever. Sure, sure. Um, And Olive wants On to feel super comfortable exploring this new relationship with 
Olive's ex. So the two enter into a fake dating agreement called Fake Dating Wednesdays, in which they have public Wednesday coffee dates to prove their relationship to everyone in their sphere. And as always, fake dating becomes real love. Right. (laughs) All the feels. Yep. All right. That's love hypothesis. It is. You... Oh, man. What you, did I give it? You've seemed excited to talk about it, which could mean that you liked it. It also oh. could mean that your face just now. <laughs> I have the worst poker face. You gave it a two. I gave it a three. Okay. This is this was pancakes. Okay. This is, it was fine. I'm also to that point where I'm gauging it based on previous reads mm-hmm. we've done mm-hmm. for the podcast. I think I gave spoiler alert a two. Yeah. I definitely liked this more than spoiler alert. Cool. It didn't, like, blow my mind, okay. but, like, if somebody likes romance You'd novels... you like, this is a good one. This is a decent one. Yeah, it's not, you know, world-shattering. It relies on tropes a lot, mm-hmm. which I, I was thinking about approaching this, my second romance for the podcast. This is not my genre, and, like, I think the conclusion I came to is when it comes to romance novels, you just have to know they're going to rely on tropes. Yeah. And so what it really comes down to, for me anyway, is which tropes do I enjoy and which tropes do I not enjoy yeah so that's pretty much how I broke down this novel yeah because you're you're not gonna get not tropes right it's that, like that's part that's of a it. different book like and that's fine that's it's a genre you know book and that's what we're getting so I thought of this book in terms of the tropes it's using and which ones I liked and which ones I didn't. I want to know which ones you like so, and which ones you don't I'll start with the ones I liked okay um probably the biggest trope that I enjoyed in this novel was the grumpy sunshine okay trope yeah um, which I didn't even know was a term until yes. I talked to my youngest sister Natalie about it um about this book or about about this book okay I talked to her this weekend about this book because she's read it and yeah. she really likes it um so I didn't know that grumpy sunshine is a trope it is i described it to her as i liked dr carlson's mr darcy-ness mm-hmm. he's very much a mr darcy like a curmudgeony kind of broody you know um character so i liked that and the pining oh the pining mm-hmm. for, for the for the female that was nice so i in this novel i liked the grumpy part okay of the grumpy sunshine trope sunshine's a little too sunshiny for you we'll get to that later <laughs> I'll talk about Olive later. But I liked I liked Dr. Adam. I also, I don't mind the fake dating trope. Okay. Like, it's very, even when you described it, it just sounded... It's ridiculous. Ridiculous, especially their reasons for entering into it. I've heard better, but, like, it's fun. I mean, in real life, I've never met someone who's had a real situation where they needed to fake date. No. I mean, like, I... Maybe to celebrities it has really happened, but to your average person, <laughs> it's never happened. But I have read dozens of fake dating romances. It's not supposed to be real. No, you just it, gotta and it's not, get on board. It's a trope, and so but I don't mind it. And one yeah. of the reasons that I like the fake dating trope is because I feel like it gives the book an opportunity to build more tension and mm-hmm. to be more of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely more of a slow burn than like spoiler alert yeah. was. And I liked that aspect. And I think since you value character building Mm -hmm. that gives time for like building a friendship becoming real friends and that's why they decide that they actually aren't fake dating like that makes sense to me that you would be on board with that one yeah yeah that that's a good way to describe it so yeah i liked grumpy i liked fake dating and so there was all kinds of those tension building moments that i appreciated like she's forced to sit on his lap during a crowded <laughs> lecture. Uh-huh. And that was, like, so awkward and funny and kind of sweet. It was, like, all the things. 
and then having to kiss him after he like pushes a truck <laughs> in, a, in a parking lot so people could get out. You're so handsome. Thank you for pushing my truck. I will kiss you. Also, I just want to say both of these situations she was put up to by that best friend on, and I'm like, this girl is like calm down. Yeah. Um, it's tough when your best friend who's really excited about relationships actually thinks that you're dating someone because she's like, go on, go kiss him. That's like, your man. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. Um, the sunscreen bit was a bit much. Yeah, maybe. rubbing sunscreen on a man's chest in yeah. public. Yeah, there was that scene. As we often do. You know. Um, so those were the two tropes that I really appreciated. It also had the, I don't know if this is a trope or not, the forced to share a hotel room Oh, yeah. Trope. Oh, yeah. Um, I, it was fine. I didn't like it or dislike it. I But as soon as I knew that a hotel was going to enter, oh, it, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's when they're going to get together. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, you mm-hmm. just know that. It's predictable. Purely in service of the plot, but that's fine. So those were the ones I I enjoyed okay. out of this book. Here are the ones I didn't like. Okay. I narrowed it down to two for each, basically. Um, the, the first one that I had to really get over at the beginning and just pretend wasn't there. Okay. <laughs> Is the teacher-student dating trope? Mm, um, mm. I, I'm a teacher, so I. <laughs> these I, are these are at least legal adults, while yours are minors, and are, that would be a crime. They are legal adults, and like it's explained that she's not like working in his lab because I don't know science, right. and Stanford's a big lab, and she's a third-year PhD student, so she's like not just I, I can vote a grown up. I, I get she's it like that they're both consenting adults, but I. I know. I get it's why that hard would... for me since my profession is teaching. I'm like, there's still a weird power dynamic. I'm gonna. Yeah. I had to just kind of start pretending it wasn't there. Sure. Um, I can see why that one would be icky to you, even with the yeah. explanation of it being fine in this context. And it helped that the male protagonist, Dr. Adam, was very hesitant and very respectful. Right. And he wasn't gentle just like, memory. I love it when I get to date students. Right. It's no. my favorite. And it wasn't like. A thing he did or was known for so that all helped me kind of get over that but yeah I was like man she gave me an, this is the second book you've given me with a, a teacher and a student oh getting together sorry it's okay um, but yeah I have personal issues with that anyway the second trope that I did not enjoy was the second part of the grumpy sunshine trope sunshine okay I, I mean a little bit of sunshine's fine <laughs> I'm not known for my sunshine, I don't think. Yeah, neither one of us can handle, like, aggressive happiness. I can deal with it. But I wouldn't even say, if I was describing this book to somebody who never read it, I wouldn't just say Olive is, like, super sunshiny. She's just super naive. I was going to say that you were going to say naive. Oh, and it's so frustrating i it it became very annoying to me very quickly she she is your textbook like i'm book smart but i'm not street smart about love i never like the sunshine and a happy sunshine and i always love the grumpy really yeah we can agree about this then i always just am like okay i wouldn't be your friend in real life girl but and she the book made a big deal about the fact that she didn't really feel a lot of attraction to men in general and so she just always had this internal dialogue of, oh, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? What are feelings? What, you know, like, <laughs> have I ever had a feeling? And it's like, uh, girl, and just, you know, why is he looking at me that way when I licked the whipped cream off of my straw? <laughs> like, that's, that's literally a moment in the book. And I'm like, girl, you are not this stupid. <laughs> like, and 
because she even says that she watches rom-coms with her friend on and she mentions to adam at one point so you do know what sex is though <laughs> yeah and she knows about rom-com tropes the book makes that clear so i'm like you you have to understand this more than you're letting on I, right i just can't with you anymore <laughs> um and also like there this was one of those times where when i looked up some of the like one and two star reviews it put words to some things that i felt a little strange about so mm -hmm. at one point in the book she even mentions that she thought she might be asexual yeah and so having this like character representation was it felt kind of weird and shoehorned in and then later on she tells adam that well maybe my brain's broken and that felt icky to me like yeah. oh okay so just because you don't feel a lot of attraction as readily as other people means your brain's broken? Like, no. Yeah. So that was kind of I think weird. a lot of people felt like that was shoehorned in. D oh, really? Okay. I mean, I've definitely heard that criticism before, and for me, it didn't all the way bother me, but I just kind of went like, huh. Because you could have easily made Olive's character just somebody who is very engrossed in her studies and yeah. in what she was, you know, focused on, her career, and so she just didn't have time for that and just I mean, kind of shut it down. I think at the beginning of the book, for me, I honestly thought of her kind of like you. You're no. not asexual at no. all, <laughs> but, like, if you hadn't found the exact person you found, you probably would have just been like, eh. I don't have time for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's not that you're just like, eh. Yeah, and she was just kind of, eh. She had other stuff going on. She was right. doing her other stuff. And her friends mean a lot to her. Yeah, she, you know. and she's working really hard on this thing that means a lot to her. Like, I thought of her like you, of, That's sure, fair. like, I'll have romantic relationships with someone, but it's gotta, it's gotta be 100% the right person right off the bat. It's I'm not playing be, games. It's gotta be worth the investment. Yeah, like, just... otherwise I have Netflix to watch. And so then at the end, when it made it, like, a big deal, I was like, oh, I just thought she was, like, a person who was just kind of more invested in other stuff. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, her character in general just kind of annoyed me. And I was in it for the Adam. I, well, I was too. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole book is told from Olive's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't make it, you know, I gave it three stars. It didn't make it, like, just awful. I just wanted to be like, girl. I mean, I rolled my eyes at her so many times. <laughs> do you think it would have benefited from alternating POVs? And because a lot of romances do that. You hear from you know, the other person involved, too. Um, Would you I, have liked to get out of her head and into his? I don't know. I My instinct is to say yes just because I liked his character. Right. But I liked the slow burn and the pining aspect yeah. of it, and so it was fun for me to see through her eyes with more understanding than she had mm -hmm. and to be like, oh sweetie he's saying that because he loves you like and, oh he's doing this because he cares about you so like i enjoyed having that one up on her i guess yeah. um and being able to see it might him. be too much of a window if you actually like heard from him yeah because i did really like his character and i wonder if it would be one of those situations where if i actually heard his voice it would be a letdown yeah <laughs> like oh well Shh, don't talk yeah just <laughs> i'm just gonna come up with my own narrative for you in my head um, and that will be fine. I respect that. Yeah, so as much as I would, I want to be like, yes, I want more Adam, I think it was probably a good choice Okay. Uh, for her to do that. Yeah. So those are my notes about tropes. Also, the, just a general, I, again, I don't know if this is a trope or just a thing about romance novels, the not saying what needs to be said. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, mean, you know. I feel like we wouldn't have a book if people just said what they needed to be That's like. exactly right. Um, and again... 
I got it on Adam's part. I got his hesitation. He is in this position of power over her, like, as a professor. So I got why he was not saying what he needed to say. Olive, her reasoning was not as believable. You know, she wanted her friend to be comfortable dating her ex, and that was fine. But I feel like that quickly became a non-problem, yeah. and she yeah. was just not saying things. Yeah. Um. And so, like, her reasoning just became thinner and thinner as the book went. I respect that. So that was annoying. It's almost like they had two meet-cutes. Uh, yeah. Because they had the the kiss a, attack that yes. you described, which I did not like as much as their first meet-cute. Which is in the prologue, and right. it's implied that it's them, but they don't realize it's them. I mean, I felt like it was incredibly obvious it was them to me as a reader, and I felt yeah. like it was supposed to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's... I mean, and he knew. Yes. We find that at the end. The only one who did not know was the right. girl who they, doesn't know. They meet in a bathroom, and her contacts have attacked her, basically. Which, <laughs> this has happened to me, where your yes. contacts, like, freak out, and you can't see anything, you're trying to, like... Uh, so, yeah, they have a whole conversation in a bathroom. And where she can't see him, She literally basically. can't see him. Yeah. Um, but that's his, like, love at first sight moment, and why he pines for her the rest of the book. So, I like that meet cute more than yeah. the, like weird kiss attack and I'm like why would girl I didn't understand yeah like her. the thing in movies where it's like someone's coming quick kiss me and yeah. I forget what movie uh, I think it's community someone goes that's not the issue like <laughs> <laughs> yeah or he's like it's for a good reason and she's like that's not the problem like you don't just kiss people for solving yeah. problems I, I yeah, mean, I don't I, love that either. I And I will say, like, that whole dynamic of their relationship, they started, like, having all these jokes about reporting each other to Title IX. Yeah. Which <laughs> was, like, funny, but also, a again, true. I work in a college, and I'm like, this is not a joke. Title IX is real. <laughs> and I can't. Anyway, that, that did not happen the whole book. That was more, like, just at the yeah. beginning. I did like how they acknowledged... It's a little cringy that I kiss attacked you. That could be called sexual harassment. Well, she has that moment. And I did, yeah, you're right. I did like that because she's the one who initiates it. Usually yeah. it's the guy or, you know. And she has a sudden realization of like, oh, no, I literally just sexually harassed you. That is awful. Report me if you need to. Like, I think yeah, she says, she's, says sorry. Like, her brain obviously <laughs> malfunctioned for a second. <laughs> well, yeah. Um. And so I did like that it acknowledges that, like, kissing yeah. people you don't know is not actually cute. It's it's not, it's you, harassment. <laughs> you should not do yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, this is, it is how they a romance novel. Yeah. So, you know. Um, so, yeah. The, some other general notes I had. Um, another thing I liked about the book is there's a, like, secondary character, Tom, who's icky. And he gets a lovely comeuppance at the end. Yeah, love and to see it. I don't care how tropey or cliched it was. I'm here for a good comeuppance. <laughs> I will always be here. So that was fun. The characters themselves, I think we already talked about this, but like they seemed a little one-dimensional just because they were so tropey. Yeah. And it did rely so heavily on tropes that I sometimes wanted there to be more to Olive and Adam. And it also <laughs> it did that thing that romance novels do where they kind of get reduced to like one specific physical trait each. Mm -hmm. uh, like in spoiler alert, it was like her red hair and his golden skin. In this novel, it was he's big and she's small. Yeah. <laughs> and that made for some awkward scenes later. And I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, 
Um, if you've ever wondered, what what are the dynamics of how two people who have a height difference? It was, anyway. Um, <laughs> and then my last criticism, I guess, of this book, as much as I enjoyed Adam and I, the fake dating, the slow burn was, was nice, I, this book did not stick the landing for me. Okay. I, I felt a little let down by the ending. Um, because they were in this fake dating relationship and they both clearly cared about each other, I kept waiting for that one scene where they both finally just said everything they needed to say. You know, I wanted Adam to tell her he had been pining for her all this time and I wanted her to tell him that when he overheard her in the coffee shop, she wasn't talking about another guy, she was really talking about him. And you never really got that. She realizes his extent of feelings for her when they go on a double date with these two other characters that are both of their friends. But at the, by that point in the book, I'm like, why are you two here? I don't want you. I need to have a conversation with Adam and Olive. I don't want yeah. a conversation with you. It was a little bit uh, too subtle. Like they needed to have the the Pride and Prejudice like kissing in the rain moment. Yes. The I, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes, I wanted that moment for them. I'm bewitched body and soul. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wanted Adam to, and he never actually says that to her. Mm-hmm. Like his friend is like, oh yeah, there's been this girl he's been talking about for years and she like has this light bulb moment of, oh, it was me. But he never says it to her. Yeah. And I, like they go on this double date with their two friends that are dating at the end, and the whole time Adam is like being grumpy and I don't want to go, and I was like, dude, I'm with you. I wouldn't want to go either. I'd want to go talk to this girl I love. Yeah, and she makes. I love that you wanted more romance at the end. You wanted it be to be romanticer. Well, if we <laughs> if we've invested in it up to this point with the fake dating, there yeah. needs to be that final conversation of. I'm going to tell you how I feel. Yeah. And you're going to tell me how you feel. I don't disagree with you. I just never thought I'd see the day. Yeah. It's so it was. And then she didn't really like explicitly say to him, hey, the thing you thought I said about somebody else was actually about you. She just like very cornily tells him that she loves him in Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. Yeah. Because he grew up Mm. in the Netherlands. Anyway. So I was a little disappointed by the ending. Okay. Overall, you know, it was a three. It was decent. Yeah. I wouldn't not recommend it to somebody. I'm going to get you to a four one day. I, you know, I felt like you did with Stephen King. I'm like, I, I want to like romance. Yeah. I, I, so I actually ended up looking up, like, what are some other romances that are, like, have similarities to this, but maybe did some of the things better that I yeah. didn't like? They're all, they all have very long waits on Libby, so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah. So anyway. I have a couple that I think maybe, I'm still learning what you like and dislike about the romance. Yeah, now that you know some of yeah, the tropes that I'm I like. I'm still figuring you out. And so I think I like one a day... slow burn. I like a, I like a Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Um, the Love Hypothesis was Allie Hazelwood's debut novel. It was an instant hit, debuting on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, and it came in second in the 2021 Goodreads. It did come out in 2021. I was oh, speculating earlier, but I must be it correct. It came in second. Yeah. I wonder what was first. I should have looked that up. I know. I guess I'll speculate again. Well, sure. Um, And as you might know, it went viral on TikTok, which is where I first heard about this book. So Hazelwood is a professor and a cognitive neuroscientist. Uh, She hails from Italy and lived in Germany and Japan before moving to the U.S. to pursue her Ph.D. In the past, Hazelwood has enjoyed reading Star Wars, Star Trek, and Pride and Prejudice fan fiction. She is a Jane Austen super fan, which is why she plans oh. to write modern adaptations of her favorite Jane Austen novels, Emma, Persuasion, and Pride and Prejudice, 
in an academic setting oh, later on. Well, that's just delightful. I know. I'm excited about it. And so this one was Pride and Prejudice. I take it. Um, no. Okay. Do you not know what this is a fan? Oh, of? this is a Star Wars fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I did know that. Um, but it was very clear that she was Mr. Darcying him. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we talked about fan fiction in episode four. And we talked about spoiler alert. Right. Hazelwood got her start writing fan fiction, and the love hypothesis is loosely based on a story that she originally wrote about Rey and Kylo Ren from Star Wars. When I read that, I looked back at the cover, and it was like, oh, this is very clear that this illustration is based on Adam Driver and Daisy, can't remember her last name. Yep. Ridley? Daisy Ridley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And... For whatever reason, this particular story got just like a ton of traction on the in the fan fiction world, and so she decided to. She actually found an agent on the fan fiction server who was like, "Make this a book." Oh, yeah. So she'd been asked. Hazelwood has been asked why she started writing fan fiction in the first place, and why is that fan fiction always set in an academic setting? And so this is a quote from Hazelwood. I think I started writing fan fiction when I was in my final year of my PhD and I was writing my dissertation and I was feeling very much overwhelmed by the academic culture and the sexism. I'm a woman in STEM, which of course is the minority, but I am also privileged because I'm a white woman in STEM. Being a woman of color in STEM is like 70 million times harder. There was this feeling that I just wanted to take my experience and my struggles and make fun of it a little bit. Write about it in a way that would exercise some of the worst parts of it. It feels to me like if I can take these hardships and these difficult moments that I experienced and put them in a context that I can control and make a little bit of fun of, then I can give my characters a happy ending. It can be cathartic for me. So she wrote fan fiction about herself, essentially. (laughs) To deal with the stress of academia. Yep, yep. (laughs) So it's like meta fan fiction. She was writing Star Wars fan fiction, but also fan fiction for herself. And so I liked that. So she discusses going from fan fiction to traditional publishing, which I've always thought this was interesting. First of all, as we already talked about in previous episodes, traditionally published books um, born of fan fiction are like helping to legitimize fan fiction as a yes. as a yes. practice. My sister um, and I talked about that some too. Yeah. yeah, and fan fiction has always been a breeding ground to for authors honing their voice and figuring out their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked her comments about the difference between that kind of writing and traditional publishing. Yeah. So in fan fiction, you're expected to stay true to the characters, but nothing else necessarily. Right. Like, um, because the character is essentially all that matters. The It doesn't have, like, a plot or a three-act structure. It's just character interactions. I mean, aren't some of them very short, too? Mm-hmm. Like, just a mm-hmm. chapter or whatever. They're usually published, like, a chapter at a time, like, essay style. Okay. In traditional publishing, you can bend the character, you can make them say and do whatever you want them to do, um, even if it's outside of what your muse character, which in this case was right. Kylo Ren, would do. But there are all these other rules, like different genres have to have a different word count, and there's like very strict rules about like minimum word count, maximum word count for a romance, and it's different for a thriller, and it's different for contemporary and whatever, right. Right. and pacing and plotting and chapter length and uh what tense it's written in and people oh, wow. ha- yep. people have very strong opinions about it i have my manuscript has been rejected because it was written in first person then another one was rejected because it was written this way like rules 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 and i also know that like a lot of what are considered great books like pride and prejudice 
would maybe never get published now because of those standards. Right. Like, they would not make the cut. And there's just too many gatekeepers. Now. Yeah, because, and this is why it like bothers me. I, I don't think that there should not be standard, but standards, but books are art, and art is meant to be done in a way that the artist wants to in order to express themselves. Um, but books are a form of art that's highly commercial. Right. And thanks, capitalism. Yeah. And so it's highly gatekept, which really stifles the like autonomy of the author and like what kind of choices you're allowed to make. And like if you become famous, then you can break rules. Like right. Margaret Atwood breaks rules. Sure. But I don't I can't break rules. Well, you can't start out being Margaret yeah, Atwood yeah, or yeah. Toni Morrison, so... Yeah, and so it's really hard, like, only after you've gotten a name are you allowed to, like, really be authentic to what you're wanting to do. And it is tough when it's, like, the way it's written now reflects how I wanted it to be, and it's like, well, that doesn't sell. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I love how fan fiction is a way to kind of now get around some of these mm -hmm. gatekeepers... Yeah, because um, this isn't our first novel that we've read that started as fan fiction. Yeah, like, did spoiler alert start as fan fiction or was it just no? Based? It's just about fan fiction, and I suspect that the author writes fan fiction, but it, that particular book didn't start. But as like, fan. Uh, well, and well, Andy, it also was kind of about a uh, Game of Thrones, so I think she wrote Game. Yeah, of Thrones. and like Andy Weir didn't write fan fiction per se, but his first debut novel was originally what, a blog? Yeah. And it just got so much traction. Yeah. It's one of these cool workarounds where people are like, fine, if you're going to make so many rules, I'm going to do it my own way. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the, and the internet is, like, the place you can just go self-publish. Yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of like that. And then because she started as, like, a really in-depth fan fiction writer and got an agent from that, she kind of said, like, I understand that you have rules, but I'm kind of going to do it my own way. Oh, and okay. I liked that. So I mentioned that her fan fiction was kind of meta. This book itself is kind of meta, too, which I really enjoyed. Romance is all about tropes. We talked about that. Yep. And there's there's the overarching trope in a book that's, like, maybe enemies to lovers or friends to lovers. This one would be fake dating, This right? one would be fake dating. And then there's, like, the in-the-plot tropes, like the one-bed trope. Right. Like okay. So there's, like, the book trope and then the plot tropes running into an ex, stuff right, like that. Sure. So Hazelwood, uh, coming from fan fiction, doesn't take herself too seriously, and she wants to just do it her way. Um, the book is supposed to be fun. It's just supposed to be enjoyable. So she often references the tropes she's using while she's using yes, them. Yes, she did. I noticed that. <laughs> and she does that as a little, like, wink to avid romance readers. And they call their Wednesday, like, their dates fake dating yep. Wednesdays. They sure do. And it just, it feels like a tiny, like, breaking of the fourth wall of just being like, I know exactly what I'm doing, and you're either here for it or you're not. Well, and you even mentioned the one bed trope. She breaks that a and little. She subverts it. Because they have to share a room, but, like, Olive walks in, yeah. and there's two beds, and she's immediately like, oh, good. Yeah. Not just one bed. The beginning of that chapter is, hypothesis, approximately two out of three fake dating situations will involve room sharing. 50% of room sharing situations will be further complicated by the presence of only one bed. And when they're signing into the hotel, Adam's like, no, I requested a double room. And she's like, it doesn't matter. There's always on only one bed. <laughs> like, right. She's just like, I know I'm in a romantic comedy and it doesn't matter if you called ahead and said two beds, there will be one bed and then there's not. And then they have sex on both beds. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and I just thought that was cheeky. It is cheeky. And like, mm -hmm. especially if it's going to be tropey, just 
be what you're gonna be. Don't take it too seriously. I Allow did. it to just be fun. Yeah, and I, like I appreciated that about her. I think I I liked that the book was self aware. It was aware of what it is, and it was enjoying itself with you. That's yeah. what it felt like to me. Well, and I think the reason I even thought about tropes is because it so heavily leans on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just was very apparent, so. And have we, as we've said, this is Kylo Ren and Rey fan fiction, yep. which it makes no effort at all to hide. Um, I can't believe I didn't pick up well. I mean, like, within the plot, there's no reference at all no. to it. Like Nobody you, even you, wears a Star Wars t-shirt. Like. No, like, there's the plot of the book has nothing to do with Star Wars. The cover, it's... Once you know, it's obviously them. But, like, I guess if no one ever told you, there's not really a reason you would know. But I just mean, like, she never kept it secret. If you ask her, she's just like, oh, yeah. And what I really loved is that it just came off as Adam Driver fan fiction. Like, his name's Adam. And, like, to a T, this man is described as being Adam Driver. And I didn't have a crush on Adam Driver when I started the book, but I did when I finished the book. (laughs) Like, she convinced me. I was like, I get it. I, yep. I see it, too. And it was very Mr. Darcy. And, yes. like, I was just like, whoever wrote this book has a crush on Adam Driver, and she's convincing me. And I just <laughs> was, it was just so fun. I just it enjoyed fun. it. it and, fun. like, one of our friends is married to someone who sometimes gets compared to Adam Driver. Oh! oh and okay. I was like, yeah. you should go read this book. You might have a good time with it. And she did, <laughs> and she loved it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> So I thought all that was really fun. Then there's obviously, like, the women in STEM representation. Yes, that was nice. Um, Women are very underrepresented in STEM. And to see it in a romance novel, which usually, like, I won't say usually, but people see the women in romance novels as being frivolous. Yeah, they're like, a bookshop owner. Yeah, I make cupcakes. Yes. Which is, like, fine. Right. But, like... Both of those are entrepreneurs, technically. Yeah. I don't know why we're dissing on them. (laughs) I mean, but if you... But it's cutesy. Like, she has a cutesy job. Or, like, if you've never read one, you just must think that, like, the women in them are just silly. Right. And she's a PhD candidate, and she's trying to cure pancreatic cancer, and she's really smart. And, like, yes, she is naive as far as, like... Right. She's textbook smart. Yeah. Um, But, like, I liked that... This is a mathematician and a scientist. Okay. Right. They have, like, conversations that I did not follow. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sounds great. I thought uh, she was just using a lot of, like, big vocabulary words. I was like, okay. I'm going to trust that you know. Yep. Well, and Hazelwood probably does know because she herself is a scientist. She so does. she didn't just Google, like, science words. I, like, didn't, I didn't know she was a scientist, but I was just taking her word for it. I, I was, didn't know that I was like, either okay. until I did the research for this book. But, like... That is nice to know because it's kind of yeah. hard to do research on stuff you don't really know for books and, like, halfway do it. You can make it to where someone who also doesn't know thinks that you know, but someone who does know definitely knows that you don't know. Right. If that makes sense. Right. No, it all makes sense. <laughs> so she uses this book to shed light on um, the very real issues of, like, power struggles and abuse mm-hmm. of power and plagiarism and yep. toxic power dynamics and sexual harassment Grad students are very well known for, like, doing whatever it takes to keep their higher-ups happy because then, like, you have to make sure your thesis is accepted and you have to get your funding and you want to be able to get paid and you're not getting paid very much right now. And so that kind of dynamic can lead to really toxic situations, which I feel like this book kind of addresses of, like, I know that you're in this position where you want to do everything to make me happy because you're you and I'm me, but I don't want to do that. And so I appreciated... Yeah. And we already kind of talked about the 
uh, asexuality representation. Yeah. Like, I appreciated wanting to include representation because romance novels and romance in life are for everybody, even if... I think, like, the way that Hazelwood has described Olive is demisexual, which means, like, you only... I had to look it up. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It means that you only acquire, like, sexual attraction after you have, a, like, an emotional connection with somebody. Sure. So, like, you don't look at someone and have sexual attraction, but once you have a really deep emotional bond with them, then you will start having sexual attraction for them. Which is kind of how she describes it in the book. Like, yeah, so in the book. Because she has trust issues because her mom died. and yeah. yeah. So she does only start feeling sexually attracted to him after they've been friends for a long time whatever that's true he's been pining for her but she is like not about the fake dating thing at first yeah like so. she's not yeah she's not really interested in him and they it she's represented as someone who can recognize sex as enjoyable but doesn't necessarily like think about it when it's not happening yeah. you know mm -hmm. um and i liked that you know that's very rare characterization in a romance novel and saying like, hey, even if you deal with romance and sex differently in your life, it still doesn't mean like the whole the whole thing's not for you. Yeah. So if you do only have sexual attraction to people you're very emotionally connected to or if you don't really think about sex that much, but like I recognize that it's fun to do sometimes like, you know, that can be fine. But I I agree with you that it felt shoehorned. Yes, thank you for bringing it up, but it wasn't perfectly executed. Right, yeah. Yeah. She, I wish I'd done this. I mean, I know that you like Jane Austen. I do. But in one of the interviews that I looked up, the interviewer asked her, like, rapid-fire questions about which she preferred, and she asked uh, the Colin Firth or the, what's his name? Which, Matthew? Which Mr. Darcy is your Mr. Yeah. Darcy? Mm-hmm. Oh, is mine? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, the Kira Knightley one. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And then I can't even remember his name. But yeah, yeah, but it's him. And then she went on and on about like the um, the saying "I love you, I love you, I love you" three times, and I'm doing yes. body and soul. And yes. she goes the hand flex, the hand flex, which is like <laughs> the moment for fans of that particular yes. movie and that particular rendition is the hand flex. Mm -hmm. um, Such a good acting choice. So specific and mm -hmm. small, but like mm -hmm. gives you tingles. Anyway, that's... I love that movie. Yeah. That's one of my sick day movies, because it's kind it's, of, like, it's lulling and... Very rainy. English. Yeah, very and rainy just, and, like... I can just, like, be half asleep on a couch and watch it. Yeah. So, pretty much the reason I love this book is because it was just fun yeah. and happy. It didn't take itself too seriously, but it also wasn't silly. Like, I didn't... I don't like silly books, I appreciated that it was self-aware, and I just had a good time with it. And yeah. if someone's bummed out, it'd be like, you know what? Go read this. Yeah, this would be just a light, frothy, like, yeah. read, I think, that would be fun for a vacation. Yeah. That's pretty much what I have to say about yeah, it was fun. Hypothesis. Yeah, I, I didn't know about the um, the Kylo Ren fan fiction yeah. angle until <laughs> I started looking at some of the one-star reviews, as, <laughs> as you can imagine. And then I went back and looked at the cover, and I was like, oh, yeah. I, and so I showed Brandon the cover. I said, look at this cover. Now let me tell you one fact about this book. <laughs> and I told him it started as right as a Kylo Ren and Ray fanfic and he just looked at the cover and was like, "Oh boy, that's thinly veiled." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, not even thinly." Um I thought you were going to say like, "It's a fan fiction. What do you think it's of?" and like see if he could guess. No, I didn't tell. I don't think he would have guessed. Yeah. For me, the like it didn't bother me. Yeah. For me, I didn't think that like Olive's character was very Ray-ish. 
but Adam's character was Adam Driver. Like, yeah. I almost didn't even think it was Star Wars fan fiction. It was Adam Driver fan fiction, which I almost like better. Uh, I've, I've definitely got a Ray vibe from her just from how she was physically described. Yeah, um, sure. Like, but kind of other than the depiction on the cover, I was like... And she doesn't have parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and doesn't have parents. You know, and his are like really important people that are distant from him. I was like, yeah, okay, that checks out. You even thought more than I did. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I started, once, once the wheels started turning, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I was just here for the uh-huh. Adam Driver of it all. Yeah. Are we ready to read some one-star reviews? Ruin it for me, please. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to no, ruin it. No, it can't be ruined. This is from Elizabeth. I read fanfic, and while it's nice that it can now be openly turned into a novel, there are so many things wrong with this mess that, in my opinion, it makes fanfic look bad. To start with, she has a numbered list. It is. It's nicely listed. One. (laughs) The novel features a quote-unquote story that isn't one because its entire quote-unquote problem could have been solved if Adam and Ray, I mean Mary Sue and Olive. (laughs) (laughs) She's, I mean Mary Sue, I mean Olive. (laughs) I just had a conversation. That's what we're I, I think that's a nod to the fact that also Olive has no personality. Yeah, Olive is basically a nod. That's what I mean. Like, it's Adam Driver fan fiction because Ray, who? I don't know. Yeah, I, she, she, no personality. Number two, Olive is supposed to be adorable, I assume, but mostly comes across as a hot mess of a doormat who needs Adam to fix herself and her life. That message? No. Just no. Number three, Adam. Really? I suppose there's something to be said for acknowledging that this is fanfic about Adam Driver, but it's, well, more than a little weird to be paying to read such a thinly designed fevered sex dream. (laughs) She's not entirely wrong. No, she's not. I was just here for it. (laughs) She's not wrong at all. I just was interested in that particular sex dream. Yeah, there you go. Um... Having said that, the author definitely knows how to write sex scenes. I can't see paying for this as AO3 has thousands of free novels just like it, but to each their own. Supposedly, the cover art is a Raylo fan artist. That sounds about right. Yeah. I, I included that one because of the fan fiction yeah. element. That's what I, I learned. I did read that someone on the like fan fiction thing who'd already created like art for this story that's what became the cover. That's cool. So I think that's neat. I think it is, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if a major publisher used it, normally they don't do stuff like that. No. This is from Hannah. Not this Hannah, but a different Hannah. Yep. I'll be frank and say that I read this assuming I was going to dislike it. I don't like Raylo, but I also don't care that much about Star Wars. But the sheer amount of material there w- was to dislike in this honestly blew me away. This was so poorly written, I don't even know where to begin. The amount of times I was told that this man was big made me want to start punching walls. <laughs> they they do lean really hard into, like, yep. the height differential. He's it's so like, huge. I get it. She's very petite and he is very big. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it became awkward at and times. Like, I guess I've never met Adam Driver in person, but like is he supposedly I th- tall? Like Billy I mean, he's Corgan? Tall, but I don't think he's like not normal person size. That's what I always hear about Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. Is he's so tall? Yeah, which I've seen him in concert. He's pretty tall. Yeah, uh, like Adam Driver is definitely tall, but I don't think he's like. Are you real? Like, are you a giant? <laughs> I think he's just a tall guy. Like I've met others. Sure. <laughs> This is from Library Ghost, Taylor's version. I don't know what that means. Would you like me to explain? Oh, that, you know what that means? 
Yes. Oh, I have no idea what this means. I thought it was a funny name on Goodreads. I mean, I don't know what library ghost means, but I know what Taylor's version means. Oh, Taylor Swift? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. What's a library ghost? I don't know. I guess someone who haunts a library. I still have questions. Why is it Taylor Swift's version of a library ghost? <laughs> Do you know what Taylor's version means? No, okay. I don't. Educate me. Hey, someone gave me a podcast, so... Yep, tell me. Yep. Okay, so Taylor Swift recorded her albums under a record label and asked to buy her music off of them for a very high price. Oh. She has money, this right. Taylor Swift. Right. Um, and they said, no, we're never going to sell it because that's how our... Even though it's her content. That's how our record label makes 80% of our money. We'll never sell it. And uh. so she was like, okay, fine. Then they sold it to her arch nemesis, Scooter Braun, under her nose. She found out on the internet, like everybody else, that it had sold. And so she decided, I'm going to re-record my first albums that they own and release them with unreleased tracks and with bonus content and, like, reshoot the cover art and redo everything. And so she has re-released her sophomore album, Fearless, and Red. And so now there's Fearless, parentheses, Taylor's version. And every, every song on the album is, like, Fearless, Taylor's version. 15, Taylor's version. What a power move. For real. I I appreciate her. Uh-huh. And she, um, when you go on Spotify and you, like, type in Fearless, you can't find the original. You can only find Taylor's version. And she went on a night show. I think it was Seth Meyers. And she was like, well, the parentheses, like, if it says parentheses Taylor version, that means I own it. And so a lot of fans started getting, like, tattoos of, like, parentheses Taylor's version. Oh, and, like, she people on me. People on Twitter changed their bios to, like, parentheses Taylor's version. So, like, that's what that is. Like that's I, funny. Okay. I love it so much. I I appreciate getting educated about pop culture. I'm so glad you asked. I will happily tell anyone. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge T Swift fan like you are, but I, I could uh, convert you. I appreciate her for who she is. Would and... you like to hear about my most recent homework? Three separate people in my life have been like, I understand that you like Taylor Swift, but I've never really gotten into it. And I was like, watch. Allow me to make a customized playlist tailored to you. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> intend the pun. Yeah. <laughs> pun fully intended. And so I have now had three separate people be like, make me a Taylor Swift playlist that you think would convince me to like her music. And I, my friend from Canada was like, <laughs> I respect that this is good music, but I'm really not in the demographic and so I think it's fine and so fine whatever Mm -hmm. Um, but I have fully converted Casey I think and I'm working on Jennifer oh very nice if you would like a Taylor Swift playlist tailored to your interests I will make you one challenge accepted I like folklore that's the one I like I think you only don't know Taylor if you don't know enough of her music. That's fair. And I know enough of her and her power moves now um, to like her just based on that. She does love a power move. That's cool. I will now read (laughs) this. So back to the last one star review. I'm not cutting this. I'm leaving it in. No, you should leave it. I will now read Library Ghost, Taylor's version. Hypothesis. Once again, an overhyped book will miss its mark by a mile. It was really hyped. This is everyone's favorite rom-com? Really? Because stitching five tropes in a bucket load of cliches and calling it a book sounds a lot like lazy writing to me. There's nothing wrong with tropes per se, but if your whole story progresses with their help, Houston, we might have a problem. (laughs) I love the idea of a rom-com in STEM, trust me, but I can't with this mess. Needless communication... Needless miscommunication... That was a miscommunication. (laughs) Needless miscommunication... 
Cop out when dealing with consequences of just about anything. It's honestly frustrating. The writing is okay-ish. <laughs> I thought it screams Wattpad fanfiction in your face. <laughs> uh, the characters are all bland, especially Adam, which has star emojis around it. I really liked Olive in the beginning, but she ended up being annoying with her. OMG, just because he has done nothing to show interest in me, it follows he must like someone else. Like, girl, stop. <laughs> and if I have to read once again how huge Adam is or how his sweat is basically perfume, I will be committing acts of violence. <laughs> you know, I don't disagree necessarily with anything she said. It I just don't... doesn't bother me. Yeah, I mean... I, I like men, too, but, like, when they're, like, I even like the way his... I only know a couple people would be, like, I really like the way a man's sweat smells. Yeah, Rub it on me. It, it gets a little... It gets a little much, but... Like, I get it. He's handsome and sweaty, but... I, I think I verbally agreed with that one when I read it, and I was like, please, girl. And I was like, yeah, I know. Come on, all. I get what you're saying. I But, yeah. Those were, those were some of the more fun one-star reviews. I appreciate that. I'm glad that at the very least, like, you seem to have, like, had a fun enough time reading oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, it was fun. Yeah. I think I, this I book is just... I listened to the whole thing. Yeah. I this say. book is for enjoying, and you enjoyed it fine. It's yep. not your favorite thing ever, but I didn't expect it to be. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like we've settled into this nice, like... We're gonna sit in the three star range. <laughs> we have to for really, we have to really upset each other soon. Like, yeah. Well, okay. So, what are we reading next week? Oh, Hannah, what are we reading next week? So I feel like it's time to pull out another like quote unquote classic. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that in a while. So I assigned Stephanie to read uh, "As I Lay Dying." By William Faulkner. William Faulkner. Classic Southern writer lives just an hour away from us. Or lived. He's dead. I was going to say, like, lives? No, he's dead. Um, I've been to his house. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you can still see where he wrote the outline to one of his books on one of the walls. Wow. He wrote it on the walls? Was he a crazy person? Well. Is he the one who drank a lot? Yes. Well, didn't they all? Um, Yeah. So you clearly haven't started the book if you're asking me now if he's a crazy person. I mean. (laughs) So we'll get to that next week. Okay, I'm so excited to talk about it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. Pun fully intended.